I'm Trevor Collins. This is Times Like Now. Please look up past episodes wherever you get your podcasts, Google Casts, Pandora, Spotify, and more. Today I'm speaking with Jewel James, the master carver from House of Tears Carvers from the Lumi Indian Reservation in Washington State. They've created a totem pole that will travel across the United States this summer, visiting native sacred sites along the way, and eventually come to rest at the Smithsonian Institute. They're calling this the Red Road to D.C. on this episode of Times Like Now. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to have you here. It's an honor. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit more about Red Road to D.C., the totem pole journey to protect sacred sites. When was this dream created? Uh, who had this dream, first of all, to, to do this? Or has this been done before? <clears throat> well, I think you have to um, know a little about uh, a little bit about who we are first. My name, uh, we're the House of Tears Carvers here on the Lamedi Reservation in the state of Washington. And for the past 20 years, we have been doing totem pole journeys to different communities uh, up in Canada and all across the United States. <clears throat> We've been carving totem poles and using them to draw attention to concerns of various communities that are experiencing attacks upon the local environments. Uh, some of these uh, uh, projects that <clears throat> have international impacts in both Canada and the United States. Uh, we've sent totem poles up in northern Alberta uh, for the tribes up there that were fighting against the tar sands. Uh, we gave poles to uh, the Tsleil-Waututh Nation up in Vancouver that was uh, battling the Kinder Morgan pipeline that was coming through their territory. Uh, we brought a totem pole to Winnipeg, counter uh, the pipeline east, that was going to be sending tar sands uh, crude uh, to eastern uh, plants. Uh, then, of course, the uh, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline at Standing Rock stood up and opposed. Uh, uh, we went down to Standing Rock with the pole when we were heading up to Winnipeg. But uh, northern, uh, the Northern Cheyenne were battling or considering uh, opposing a major super strip mine for coal that was right on the border of the reserve that would have that was uh, not only traditional territory, but had numerous sacred sites in it. And the traditional people were concerned because the modern tribal leadership were not coming out against it. So we carved a totem pole, and that helped unite the um, uh, tribal leaders, uh, both traditionalists and modern uh, tribal leaders. And <clears throat> eventually they defeated the application for that, that whole script mine. Uh, We've been battling to try to free a whale that's uh, been in captivity in Florida for the past 52 years. Uh, it was taken from our historical territory. We are the clock commission. We're from the uh, San Juan, what they call the San Juan Islands of uh, Washington State, Puget Sound, or the Salish Sea. That was our Aboriginal territory. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes we're called uh, cedar people, and sometimes canoe people, and sometimes salmon people. Those are all important to us, but the uh, more importantly, uh, whale uh, reflected the health of the Salish Sea itself. The uh, southern resident uh, killer whale pods at risk because of lack of uh, Chinook, which is one of its primary uh, uh, food sources. Can you tell me a little bit about what the 
this project is going to be doing with this particular totem pole? Where is it going, and and yeah. when does yeah. it? Uh... Yeah, well, uh, I was just saying that all of these are tied. And what it did is it created attention, and a, uh, uh, people in the east uh, gave us a call back in November. They were totally aware of the uh, couple, uh, a dozen or more. Uh, totem pole journeys that we have successfully conducted in order to create public awareness. And so we were asked if we would consider uh, carving a, a totem pole and bringing it to Washington, D.C., uh, but before we get to D.C., to bring it to sacred sites and sacred waters and to draw attention to the concerns tribes and local people have about protecting these areas. Uh, we agreed, and we found a, uh, a log uh, that one of the local traditional carvers here on the Lummi Reservation had in his yard. He was carving one half of it, and so we bought the second half of the log and moved it to our carving shop, and we began carving February 7th uh, this year. <clears throat> uh, the log is 24 feet 8 inches uh, tall. It's uh, 43 inches wide. At the top, the moon on top is 52 inches wide. It is two feet thick, except for where we added uh, the head of the diving eagle and the dorsal fins of the um, sea wolf and the sea bear. Uh, <clears throat> the goal is to uh, uh, create a, a public outcry or a public uh, voicing of the need to protect sacred sites and uh, sacred waters. Uh, so the uh, a group that formed, uh, uh, Judith Lobank and, uh, and um, uh, Becca Econonopoulos and uh, Dr. Kurt Russo and others that have worked with them on a committee uh, uh, basis have, um, have um, been coordinating the identification of the sacred sites and places that we will stop and work with host tribes uh, to uh, conduct ceremonies and prayers for the protection of these places. Um, they've, you know, they've identified like the um, call uh, to remove the four dams on the Snake River because of its destruction of the Chinook populations. And uh, we've carved a couple of Chinook on the totem pole to represent that, but also uh, such as the Snake River, it's the Columbia River, it's the Fraser River, it's the Nooksack River, it's the Alwa River. All the rivers uh, pretty much in the Pacific Northwest have uh, uh, spring and uh, fall Chinook populations at risk. And other uh, the other salmon uh, populations are at risk. And so on the eagle that we carved, we put the, what we call the salmon head designs on the shoulder for all salmon species up and down the Pacific coast that native populations and modern uh, fishing communities are dependent upon. <clears throat> uh, the, um, uh, they asked us to go to a Bear Butte and uh, uh, Bears Ears, uh, Chaco Canyon, uh, the Black Hills, uh, the Missouri River, and uh, stop at Standing Rock again. And uh, we're going to go up to White uh, Earth and uh, uh, Bay Mills. Uh, working with the local tribal group, we will identify the sacred sites they're concerned about and conduct ceremony uh, using the pole as the initial draw to pull us together. Uh, 
Sure. How many uh, how many states will you be visiting? In total? Well, I, I, didn't really, I didn't count the states at this uh, time uh, as we zigzag across because uh, I just never got that far yet. I, I will I, uh, count them. I, mean, I know we're going to Washington and Oregon and California, uh, um, New Mexico, um, Oklahoma, maybe Kansas. Um, uh, <clears throat> cutting through uh, Montana, Utah, South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, you know, and so uh, those are places where we're going to be stopping, but there, uh, there's more states that we're actually driving through. Uh, you know, we're going to be doing uh, three, four, five, and sometimes 700 miles uh, distance in order to get to the next stop. Uh, and uh, we hope that uh, we're going to be well organized and be able to meet the uh, deadlines that have been uh, set for us. So the the poll is is weighing what forty nine hundred pounds I think I I read on your on your uh, press kit forty nine hundred pounds How are you carrying this this large poll? Well, uh, first of all, uh, you know I, I've dealt with a lot of cedar and I've uh, uh, actually carved some fir before. And uh, when I originally got the log, I estimated it was about two to three ton. And it turns out, yeah, uh, when we finally got it loaded on the truck. Uh, uh, I have, we have a flat bed with a 20-foot uh, a bed on it and uh, with a, uh, an additional three-foot if we raise the uh, 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 metal lift that's uh, attached to the back. And so uh, when we do that, then we only have a, about a foot and a half overhang. Uh, the pole is, like I said, 24 feet, 80 inches long. And um, I bought the truck. And I, I was hoping, uh, you know, I paid fifty-three hundred dollars uh, with my own money in order to try to get a truck that we can haul this totem at least to the uh, uh, local communities in Washington State. But we're having a lot of. It turns out the the company that sold it to me wasn't that honest, and uh, you know they told me it ran great, but it'll only do forty-seven miles an hour down the freeway. You know, we're bound to get tickets if we use it on the on a, uh, interstate freeway. Uh, and so we're worried about that. We will have it uh, looked at, but uh, uh, we finally convinced somebody to come forward and to help us at least get a uh, uh, a truck to tow a trailer. Uh, we're going to be putting it on a 24-foot uh, trailer and uh, tow it behind a uh, 350, uh, F-350, which is heavy enough to uh, handle it. Uh, so that's a that's kind of a, the fix uh, that we've uh, resolved to use, and we appreciate the uh, national committee was able to help us uh, uh, do that. The uh, <clears throat> the thing uh, the thing is is that uh, before we lose uh, leave Washington State, before we go on the red road to Washington D.C., uh, we're going to try to generate support here in Washington State. We're going to go to the uh, Swinomish Tribe Reserve, the Tulalip Reservation, the uh, Alwal Reservation, the Port Gamble Reservation, the Jamestown Reservation, the Nia Bay Reservation, the Quileute Reservation, the Macaw Reservation, the Yakima Reservation, the Nooksack Reservation, and the Squally Reserve, the Muckleshoot Reserve, and the Puyallup Reserve. And we're bringing it to uh, Bellingham and Ferndale and Seattle and Blaine. Uh, we're bringing it to four islands uh, in the San Juan Island network. And so we're doing about 20 stops within Washington State. And one of the reasons is, is that uh, coming this, this coming fall, we're going to be back 
in a battle with the U.S. Forest Service to demand that they protect and respect sacred sites that we have identified in the past 40 years that's located in the uh, National Forest. They're going to be redoing their uh, forest plan, and we're going to have to battle them once again to make sure that they consider the uh, concerns of the Indian tribes. And so uh, uh, we have our own battles here in Washington State on sacred sites and places, and we want to use uh, uh, the initial uh, uh, movement through uh, within Washington State to help unify us for the uh, upcoming uh, conflict. Now, we're going to uh, go down to Oregon. Uh, we're going to be uh, going into Celilo Falls and Portland, the city of Portland, and down to the uh, boarding school, Chimawa, one of the oldest Indian boarding schools still operating in the United States. And we'll go over to the Sletch tribe on the coast and down to, uh, I believe, the Chinook uh, uh, people. And then we're going to head down into uh, Clam, uh, uh, California with the Klamath and the uh, Hoopa and the Yurok. And there's a few tribes uh, in between uh, Northern California and Southern California that will be making some stops at some of their sacred sites. I know that um, we're being asked to go to the uh, uh, place that called Go Road or uh, where they had Doctors Rock. That was a uh, focus of a 1988 uh, 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 test case that went all over the Supreme Court. Uh, what happened is that the Forest Service was going to issue some logging permits to a company either that would come into the west end of the valley or it could come into the, another company could come in on the east end of the valley. The one that came in from the west would destroy Doctor's Rock. The one that came in from the east uh, would avoid destroying Doctor's Rock. And the Supreme Court normally would uh, take the path of least resistance and least damages. And so... We were hoping that they would have ruled that the company that was coming from the east is just as responsible and opportunistic as the one coming in from the west and uh, it, uh, let them come in from the east because it won't destroy a, a, a Native American sacred site. Uh, no problem. But instead, the Supreme Court used it as an opportunity to undermine the American Indian Religious Freedom Act that was uh, passed in 1978. And so we had to do 20 years of lobbying to try to undo some of the damage and secure various amendments in the American Indian Religious Freedom Act. For example, um, our tribe in the 1980s was rated for having eagle feathers on regalia. Our tribe was uh, rated for having a spirit society that was not Christian in the 1980s also. You know, when uh, federal prisons uh, prisoners were denied rights to ritual, uh, in the case of Oregon versus Smith, the peyote church lost a sacrament of peyote. And so we had to go to Congress to reinstate the feathers, uh, to reinstate prisoners' rights, and to uh, resecure uh, the peyote sacrament for the Native American church. And so that was uh, done in the 1990s. And uh, some of, most of the elders that were involved in those type of campaigns are gone now except for uh, our good friend and national uh, example, uh, Suzanne Schoenharjo. She's still active, and she's uh, uh, very much engaged in a, a movement to protect Native American sacred sites. And we send our prayers to her and our good feelings and sing songs for her because she's a defender of Indian country in this area. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to be going down to um, – uh, 
Los Angeles. There's going to be a, a, an event, I guess, in Los Angeles. And then we're going to go into San Diego area, and we'll be working with uh, uh, Verona, Verona, uh, Sequan, and Viejas uh, tribes and uh, conduct ceremonies with uh, one or all three of them. Uh, one of the uh, past uh, chairmen, is uh, VAS is uh, working to coordinate all three tribes uh, at this time. We've been asked to uh, bring it over to Oklahoma, even though a lot of the tribes in Oklahoma are kind of in dispute right now. We're hoping that uh, we'll we'll be able to conduct ceremonies uh, with them, uh, at least uh, one to three of those tribes. I know uh, there's been a, a request for us to keep on going east and hit Kansas City and then turn around and head up to Colorado where we'll have a gathering there. Now, this journey is uh, pretty much our Pacific Coast uh, as, uh, leg of the Red Road to uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, we'll be, we'll be uh, getting done with that in uh, like uh, uh, the early J- July. Then we're home for two weeks, and then we'll head east on the Red Road to Washington, D.C. and uh, go to those other sites, like I said, uh, to uh, – Snake River, uh, Bear Butte, Bears Ears, Chaco Canyon, uh, Black Hills, uh, those those lo- uh, locations. And uh, <clears throat> when we get to Washington, D.C., uh, my understanding is that we'll have some ceremony and we'll do some lobbying of Congress. Congress will be in session uh, in July and August. And uh, we hope to uh, re- uh, let the congressmen know that we're trying to generate grassroots support for the protection of Native American sacred sites and waters. And uh, uh, the poll would be turned over, my understanding, to uh, Smithsonian for storage. Uh, uh, I, I believe they're going to uh, have uh, the Secretary of Interior uh, 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 receive it on behalf of the uh, Biden administration. And uh, during the, uh, between now and next year, this time, uh, they'll be working on what to do with the poll. Uh, so far, it's been suggested that um, some of the photos and videos and images tied to prior uh, uh, totem pole journeys shall be used to surround the totem pole as a major display and the totem pole and, the, and those uh, additional uh, displays uh, may end up in a, in a circular uh, display going from museum to museum. Now we've done that with a poll that we brought back east to Philadelphia three years ago and it's been circulating uh, through different museums. It was down in the uh, um, University of Florida Museum uh, and and, uh, Gainesville, you know, and it's been in other museums up on the East Coast circulating around. And when we we bring this total poll back to the Smithsonian, we'll then pick up the poll that's been on tour for three years and we'll, we'll bring it at home. I see. Can you tell me a little bit more about the history of the House of Tears carvers? Well, um, first of all, my younger brother was the actual master carver. Uh, how that came about, uh, when he was a young uh, middle school uh, youth, uh, the uh, Bellingham uh, uh, Watcham County Museum had received a Ford grant to hire two Lummi master carvers to trade for 
let my youth become totem pole carvers. And out of the four youth, my uh, late brother was the only one that could, uh, that picked it up. And so back in 1972, uh, I started uh, researching designs and uh, mythology and uh, other aspects of Pacific Northwest Indian art, including uh, taking a couple courses with the late uh, master carver Marvin Oliver at the University of Washington while I was a student there in order to uh, provide me uh, a rich knowledge that I could share with my brother and assist him in his uh, development of totem poles. so from 1972 to 1996, I worked with my late brother, Dale James. Uh, there was also another carver by the name of Chattis Gatum, which Tealum. Uh, he died from uh, heart complications and some diabetes. And then another uh, artist uh, by the name of uh, Vern Johnson Jr., uh, who was a Vietnam veteran and served uh, two terms, one in Vietnam and one in Korea. But while he was in Vietnam, he was exposed to Agent Orange, and he ended up getting cancer and died as well. My younger brother passed on for uh, from pneumonia back in 96. So of the four of us, uh, I'm the only one that was a part of the original uh, House of Tears Carvers. And I've kept the uh, House of Tears Carvers alive in their memory. Uh, <clears throat> and so uh, in 1996, my brother had committed a to a contract to carve a totem pole that was going to go up in New York as a 28-footer. And so uh, he died before he could uh, finish carving it. So I finished carving a totem pole for him, and we sent it on uh, up to the uh, uh, owners up in uh, New York. And we've been uh, kind of filling his shoes ever since. The House of Tears Carver is pretty much composed of any nephews, nieces, cousins, relatives, or other people that want to get involved in some of our totem pole projects. The House of Tears Carvers was incorporated under Lummi tribal law, but also um, federal law, the Tribal Governmental Tax Status Act, authorizes Indian tribes to incorporate uh, traditional organizations under their authority, and they still receive the uh, uh tax break that you would if you're a 501c3 under federal law. So the House of Tears Carvers has been around since uh, the mid-1980s, and we've uh, produced uh, a lot of art, uh, Most about 90% of the uh, totem poles, and we've carved over 100 pieces anywhere from 3 feet to 28 feet. Uh, about 90% to 95% have been donated to various causes. Uh, we put a lot of art in the Lummi community, and we, we put totem poles at uh, old soldiers' homes. We put them at public schools for children. We put them at cancer centers, you know, and uh, uh, we put them in uh, uh, city parks and uh where children were hurt, like uh, there was a pipeline explosion in Bellingham, and we put up uh, totem poles at the pipeline uh, site there uh, for the children that were lost. And, you know, over the years, uh, we've donated to Indian tribes, uh, Indian organizations, and non-Indian communities and uh, public schools and uh, other other, uh, 
institutions. Uh, we try to uh, uh, do public good. We try to create public awareness uh, that the Native American uh, communities are still rich with song, dance, traditional knowledge, traditional wisdom, uh, symbols, and um, arts, crafts, and uh, ceremonial aspects of our life. I know we fought really hard to get ceremonial activity included in the Act of 2014 that was enacted by the United States Congress, the Tribal General Welfare Exclusions Act. We included ceremonial activity, and I personally was uh, uh, challenged by the IRS uh, for several years. I fought with them, and in the end, I won uh uh, that uh, with a battle against the IRS arguing that uh, Native American arts and crafts are a part of our ceremonial knowledge and activity and therefore exempted under the language of the ceremonial activity uh, law that was included in the 2014 Act. That was just that, um, I just won that in 2018, and then the pandemic came out. And so we haven't been able to get it nationally exposed yet. But uh, for us, uh, you know, uh, we have we we have a reason to want to be involved in the uh, campaign too. First of all, we want more people to know that ceremonial activity that is exempted from federal taxation also includes arts and crafts uh, done by enrolled tribal members and their children. Uh, also, we want to uh, make sure that uh, any new laws dealing with the national forests and national parks includes the obligation of the United States to uh, consult with the Indian tribes. With, in full faith and credit. And so um, we also hope to uh, get uh, implementation of the uh, uh, United Nations uh, Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples that we got uh, President Obama to accept. The United States was one of the last to accept it. And it has uh, about 18 uh, provisions in it that deals with traditional art, traditional knowledge, and traditional culture and spirituality. I read within your press release that... Um one of your elders from the past, Tom Sampson, had said the totem pole is not what is sacred. It is the gathering of the people around the totem pole that is sacred. That seems like a, a, a great point and, and words of wisdom. I really am proud to be speaking with you and learning about this directly from you. Is there a website that people might be able to look at and learn from uh, and see your journey as it progresses? Well, yeah, it's... Um, uh... It's Red Road to Washington, D.C. Red Road to Washington, D.C. Dot com. And, of course, you can um, you can uh, Google uh, uh, Jewel James, talk Carver, uh, Totem Pole Journeys, and you're going to find a lot of stuff coming up, you know, and all of them kind of lead back. And you'll start seeing uh, the Red Road to Washington, D.C. coming up more and more and more. Jewel James. Thank you very much. Saucy Alf, I really do appreciate your time. And thank you so much for what you're doing. And I'm going to be looking at the website and, and uh, communicating with you. And I want to see how this goes out. I want to see photos of this. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right. Thanks. Past episodes of Times Like Now can be found wherever you get your podcasts, Google Casts, Pandora, Spotify. Please do like and subscribe. You can find me on Facebook as well, Times Like Now. Thank you to the letter J. Cody Robertson for original music. I'm Trevor Collins, and I can be emailed trevor at timeslikenow.com. Thanks for listening. Look forward to speaking with you next time.